Welcome to MPA Pod, the Mortgage Professional Australia podcast. Welcome to the very first episode of MPA Pod. I'm Anthony Field, editor of Mortgage Professional Australia. Joining me today is Matt Johnson, the Managing Director of Sydney-based commercial finance brokerage, Simplicity Loans and Advisory. Hi, Matt. Thanks for joining me on this podcast today. G'day, Anthony. It's uh, very exciting to be the first guests on the, on the podcast. It's uh, great to be here. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, and I'm sure you'll make this a, a pleasant experience for, for, for both <laughs> of us, given it's my first time, but I'm uh, really looking forward to our chat today. Um, so, yeah, I, I wanted to start off by um, asking you a bit about Simplicity Loans and Advisory. Obviously, you're a, a large commercial uh, finance brokerage based in Sydney, but you've got other offices, I understand. Uh, if you could just tell me a bit about your your brokerage and, and what, you, what you offer. Yeah, um, where we started in 2017, so we, we're just a tick over five years old now. Um, these days, we've got just on 23 staff across um, primarily Sydney, but also Brisbane and, and Melbourne. Um, we're very much a commercially focused brokerage um, and so, you know, all things commercial, basically anything other than a home loan is, is what we what we focus on. Um, our We've got a, a team of, of brokers that, that work under our brand, under a salaried model, um, and we've got some fantastic people within our team, which is, which is awesome. Um, we've also got a referral hub um, brand, which is Marketplace Finance, which is a I guess a one-stop shop for any any referrers, and, and a lot of them are home loan brokers that are out there that are looking to um, looking to get involved in the commercial the commercial space, but maybe don't have the time or the or sometimes the capability to get involved in some of the complex deals. Um, so we've got a team of um, a team of uh, BDMs that that are across the nation that help our referral uh, network with completing on those transactions as well. So it's an interesting business now. We've, we've got a bit of a tech flavor as well. So. Um, between the core broking business, the, the sort of referral hub and the, the technology um, platform. Um, yeah, it's an interesting business and it keeps us out of trouble. So so that's interesting about your referral hub. Um, obviously, that's a bit of a, a different model than a lot of other commercial finance brokerages would have. Mm-hmm. Getting in uh, you know, the home loan market or people who are interested in, in commercial loans, um, how, did, how did that come about? Yeah, it was it was one of those things, Anthony. Where look, we're not breaking new ground in that it's very much the traditional referral model that bankers and and brokers have used since since day dot. What we tried to do though was maybe try and take it out at scale, um, and we, we mm-hmm. thought with the technology that was around, um, and and just we 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 bumped into a number of of really good quality brokers who were specialising in in home loans for their clients that were coming across really, really, really good commercial applications and submissions um, for their clients, but but they didn't really know what to do with them and um, because that wasn't their background and their, their skill set. And, and so almost by accident, we fell into this, um, we fell into this model and we, we sort of sat down and my business partner, JP and I, um, you know, had a, had a think about it and thought, well, maybe we can, we can sort of test the waters here and see if we can, um, if we can find a market and, um, and, and, you know, we've, we've built it up sort of over, over the last probably two or three years. And, um, yeah, there's now from a standing start, we've now got over 1600, almost 1700, um, referrers signed on to that, that referral hub. So it's, it's going great guns. We've got four dedicated staff to that channel um, that are out there working with those referrers to try and identify opportunities. And um, 
yeah, I think last year that channel alone settled just over half a billion dollars worth of deals. So it's um, it's ticking along really, really well, and, and we expect that to continue to grow. And as I say, that the idea of that is just to help help our referrers um, help their clients and, and deliver a fantastic service. We're very much an extension of their business, and um, you know, if you want, we're brought in as their commercial expert. Um, so you know, <laughs> they don't have to be; they can they can focus on their core business. So, as I say, it's still a growing part of our, our business, and and it's still quite new, but it's it's exciting and it's uh, it's doing some good things. Yeah, that's great. It's obviously a, a an awesome growth opportunity for for your business. Uh, and talking about success and and uh, simplicity loans and advisory. Mm. Obviously, you've had uh, you've got quite a few in- brokers in your team that have had success over a sustained period. Um, you re- regularly feature in top commercial brokerages as an MPA uh, awards every year. Um, tell us a bit about how that success has been created and how you drive your team to to do better and um, and obviously achieve more. Yeah, well, I think. The first part to that, Anthony, is um, is that old adage of you know surround yourself with fantastic people, and uh, and I've been very lucky to have a um, a business partner, JP Gorton, who is is one of the best in Australia at uh, you know in commercial finance. So um, he's always up there and thereabouts on uh, on whatever various list it is around uh, commercial broking. Um, and and we've built out a fantastic team then around that as well. So um, a number of our of our team are, uh, have been nominated for various awards and, and lands on lists. So we've always been tried, and we, we always we don't always do it as well as we'd like. But to develop um, the people around us, and we, we take a lot of pride in in a lot of our team joined as very junior um, in junior roles, and we're still very much learning the craft and and have progressed and grown with our business. So as we've grown, they've grown with us and. And a lot of those guys now are doing fantastic things for their clients and, and achieving some wonderful things in their careers. So, um, but it all comes down to uh, you know a having great people around us, hopefully having systems and processes that allow them to, to succeed. Um, and as I said, we've invested heavily in technology to try and enable our people to be to be even better again. Um, and then hopefully we're, we're putting some great learning and development opportunities in front of our team as well to allow them to um, you know not have to have twenty years in finance in order to be a really successful broker, but to be able to do it maybe within two or three years in their careers. So um, there's no secret source necessarily. I think it's a combination of, of trying to do a lot of those little things really, really well. But ultimately, you know, the, the best part is, is if you can get great people around you, you set yourself up to succeed. Success. Obviously, you've one of your top brokers, uh, Isabella Constantino, won top, top commercial brokers last year in a, in a pretty male-dominated field. I mean, that's great to see young women coming through in, in commercial broking. It's fantastic. And Izzy's story is a, fan, a, a wonderful one in that, um, you know, she joined us straight out of university um, or actually was finishing university when she started. And, you know, Izzy's a, a very talented um, finance professional and, uh, I mean, you're right, the commercial broking market, I mean, broking generally still is very male-dominated, but particularly commercial, um, you know, and, and it's great to see, you know, Izzy leading the charge on behalf of sort of the female cohort. And there's some other fantastic female brokers out there as well. Um, yeah, but Izzy, look, she she was uh, very talented as she was coming through the ranks and I know she's ambitious in where she'd like to go with her career. And, um, you know, from our perspective, it gives us a great opportunity if, if we can help um, – 
you know, with Izzy as an example, if we can sort of help uh, use um, use our platform to try and you know grow that uh, the broker cohort, particularly in that um, in that female space, I think that'd be great. Again, it's something we could always do more of, and 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 I'm sure we could be doing it better at times. But um, yeah, we, we certainly try and do that and, and promote that, and it's something we want to try and do more of in the future. But yeah, Izzy's story is a great one, and and as I say, ultimately, male or female, she's just an excellent finance professional and and that's what it comes down to and you know the fact that she's one of <laughs> not many women that are up on those awards is uh is is pretty amazing for her yeah it's great to sp- see especially as a, a you know someone for uh, other young women in the industry coming through to to look at, to have someone like uh, izzy to look up to so i wanted to um move on to what's happening in the market um, if you could share with us what are the current growth areas and commercial finance that you're seeing at the moment yeah, well, for us, um, I know we've seen uh, pretty flat performances around um, equipment finance. For us, it's not a core part of our business, but that's been pretty flat for us. Construction finance has been slightly up, and we, and we probably expect that to come off a little bit this year. Um, you know, as I said, it was slightly up last year, but I think just in the in the position of the cycle that we're in, we don't expect that to be a major growth area. What, what we have seen for us is... Um, uh, either non-coded residential lending. So we deal with a lot of companies that might be acquiring residential sites to maybe put them together to be part of a future development. Um, we certainly saw a bit of that last year. We probably expect that to continue this year as residential prices come down. Um, and, and then just commercial finance generally for us, which you know that could include um, investment. Uh, but I think we, we sort of see residual stock. We had a lot of residual stock facilities come through last year. Um, and again, that's that was part of where we were in the property cycle. I think we expect that to continue this year. So um, it may be less commercial investment funding, but I think residual stock, um, you know, developers looking for um, looking for assistance at the at the end of a project that's come off where pre-sales haven't been as easy to come across in the last twelve months or so. Um, and we're, we're certainly expecting refinance business to be strong this year, where clients may be breaching some covenants with their existing lender, whether that's around interest cover ratios or or maybe LVR ratios, and they may be getting a little bit of pressure from their incumbent bank. Um, we think we're probably going to be engaged a fair bit this year to, to help clients out from maybe some of those slightly more trickier situations that they're finding themselves in, which through no fault of their own because of What's happening with interest rates in the property market? They they may find themselves breaching um, breaching hurdles that the banks have set for them. That's that's interesting. You mentioned the the refinance uh, market because obviously that's what's happening in the residential space at the moment. A huge number of people are struggling to deal with rising interest rates and and looking to to refinance. Um, also, mm. wanted to you mentioned the growth areas. What's happening with uh, industrial at the moment? Do you deal much with that? And is there is there much change in that space? Yeah, we've seen a little bit of it. I know the um, the industrial sector has been going very strongly for a number of years. Um, I know a lot of the probably high end, you know, institutional and, and corporate level clients have been very active in that space, um, and the demand for for industrial property has been very very strong. With um, you know the growth of online shopping and and the logistics, all the logistics that go around that being being in heavy demand. Um, we probably haven't played a hell of a lot in that space over the last period of time. Um, certainly we've had some clients that have been out there either constructing that type of um, 
that type of asset or, or looking to buy it as an investment and, and, and get some strong tenancies in there. But I, I expect that that part of the market will continue to go well um, just because I, I think that whole online, the move to online and online shopping and, and as I say, the distribution requirements around that, that's not going away. So I think that will continue to outperform. Um, versus, say, you know, office space in metro areas, you'd, you'd probably consider would still have a bit of a question mark over it and, and probably some retail in certain, um, particularly CBDs, I guess, as well, that you'd have some question marks over that. So I think industrial will continue to go strong off the back of um, that online trend. Well, that's 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 good to see that, um, you know, that there, there's, some, there's definitely growth in some parts of the sector because, as you mm. mentioned, office spaces, uh, you know, a lot of companies have still using the hybrid model and, and don't have as much need for um, office space, but an industrial, that's a that's a good growth area. Um, I, I mentioned- I just, on, just, just on that, Anthony, though, sorry to cut in. I, I do yeah, think sure. it's worth commenting that I think for owner-occupiers, though, in, in, in particularly office space, um, but not but not just office space, you know, commercial generally, I do think we're still seeing good demand on that. And I think with with prices probably softening a little bit on commercial property, for owner occupiers and people that are, you know, trading businesses, what we're seeing is a lot of those trading businesses are going really, really well still. Um, so notwithstanding interest rates going up and and some headwinds, businesses, you know, by and large are trading very, very well. And so whilst, you know, investors might be not as active in certain parts of the market, and I think some of the large, you know, whether they're super funds or big institutions that own a lot of the big office space in the cities, if you take that part of the market away, I think I think owner occupiers in commercial property are going to be um, are going to be very active in this next period because values have probably come off a little bit, but businesses are still trading well. So you look at that; that's a perfect recipe for owner occupiers to to um, you know people that might be renting at the moment to go and buy their 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 properties that they're trading out of. Well, that, that's um, that's great to hear because obviously we're in a different world now from the COVID uh, COVID era and you know, business is, is rebounding. So that that's great to hear that. Uh, I mentioned before about rising interest rates and, and you, you mentioned how that's affecting some of your clients. Um, we've, we've also, it's not just rising interest rates. We've got obviously inflation, cost of living. There's things like supply chain issues, labor shortages, and rising construction costs. I was wondering if you could share with us a little bit about how those factors are affecting commercial finance. Yeah, so the, the the obvious one there with interest rates is, you know, as they're trending up, it, it makes it harder for clients to meet interest cover ratios that the banks might use to assess um, to assess the the transactions. Uh, and we've certainly seen that, uh, you know, almost across the board, whether it's debt service ratios or interest cover ratios. Um, I think uh, you know, labour shortages is a topic that. You know, every time we sit down with a business owner in whatever industry, it, it's almost universal. People are, are struggling with that. So they're either, they can't fill shifts and so they're struggling to, to be open as much as they'd like to be, particularly in somewhere like hospitality, um, or they're having to overpay versus the, the maybe the experience that the staff have that they're bringing on. Um, and, and so that that is a challenge for, for business. And I don't think that's going to go away until until migration is sort of back to where we, where we were before the pandemic. Um, and, and unemployment sort of pushes up a little bit, I, I don't think that's going to change for, for a period of time, which that's going to be a challenge, no doubt, for businesses. Um, we're hearing from our developer clients that construction costs have, have stabilised, uh, which is great, and we're not expecting them to continue going up like they like they had for most of 2022. And I think that's been a trend probably over the last six months, uh, which is great because 
obviously rising rising construction costs had had a a massive impact on uh, the construction industry generally and obviously on developers um, as well and and you know making projects that were you know were, were very feasible say 12 18 months ago you know almost um, unfeasible now with um, you know you're just getting squeezed on your on, on all the metrics of, of your construction finance so um, yeah there's certainly some headwinds there I, I think for our for our brokers something that we've um, we've had to work really hard on is as you know all banks and, and lenders have had slight changes in how they've approached um, assessing deals with with particularly with with interest rates going up um, so we've worked really really hard on making sure that we're very very close to those um, our, certainly our core lenders and understanding of where their appetite's sitting if they've changed their approach to any any assessments we're making sure that we're across those details so that um, you know for example if, if Westpac have, have increased their test rates on a lease stock product well we want to know about it as soon as it happens and we want to know how that's going to impact on our on our pipeline and on our clients who are in that space. And um, I think in a market like this, I'd encourage anyone out there to um, to be very, very close with their with their lenders, particularly their key lenders, um, and just be understanding where their settings are at at the moment, where their assessments are at. They're going to be constantly changing. And probably one thing in the commercial market, in the commercial lending market, that's not as good as what we see in the residential space is the ability to communicate out those changes in assessments I feel like that's something the residential market does does really really well. I think in commercial, it can be a little bit harder, a little bit more difficult sometimes to to peel back the onion to to understand what those changes are. So um, I'd encourage people to be proactive on that. It's something that we've worked hard on and, and will continue to do so, so we can really stay at the forefront of, of you know how lenders are assessing their clients and and their deals because obviously that's that's our bread and butter and we need to be across that. Yeah, I guess that's a, an area where, you know, that's where your team's expertise and uh, they've got the finger on the pulse of what's happening in the market and, and you know, changes in um, the way lenders are operating, et cetera. So mm. that will keep them uh, definitely occupied. I guess it's a very complex market at the moment, isn't it? It is, and, and, and it's changing. It's very dynamic and, um, you know, as is the residential market and, and it's something that, when we opened up, we, we, we tried to have a residential offering in our business and what we found was we just weren't experts in that space. And so um, we, we wound that right back and just decided to focus 100% on the commercial space. And so that allows us to stay abreast of the details that's happening in commercial. Um, it is complex. It, it, can be, it can be difficult to navigate sometimes. Um, and that's why we, we, we thought we needed to really focus on it. But no different to how residential brokers are, you know, I'm, I'm you know, constantly... Uh, you know, amazed at the ability of residential brokers to be able to navigate through policy lender policies around whether it's uh, maternity leave settings or bonus settings and how they'll calculate this and they'll include that. You know, we we just we have no idea in that stuff because it's not what we do. And but on the flip side, on the commercial side of things, you know, that's where we consider ourselves to be experts and um, and and across that level of detail. You were know, speaking of um, residential. Uh, you know, we mentioned before about rising interest rates, uh, declining property prices, all these factors that are mm. uh, obviously hitting the residential property market and, and um, borrowers in that space. Um, there was a recent Heron Todd White report, mm. uh, basically of that they do a month in review for February, which looked at how the what's happening in the residential area is actually, is, is actually having an impact on commercial property so i just wanted to get your thoughts on that and how how those interest rate rises and inflation is affecting the appetite for finance yeah it's uh 
I mean, look, for, outside of the reasons we've already discussed around, you know, obviously just servicing is, is more challenging when rates are, are higher. You know, all things being equal, you'd always expect um, commercial property values to, you know, to be decreasing in, in a rising interest rate environment. What's probably surprised us a little bit is um, commercial values haven't really dropped um to the extent that, that we would have thought maybe with with how fast interest rates have moved up. Um, so commercial property has proven very resilient, albeit not not immune to, to, to the drops. And, and we have seen a softening um, in commercial property, um, but, but nowhere near what we would have thought. So um, whether that's something that's still to come, it, it may be. Uh, but even just you know, the recent auctions in the last couple of days, you're still seeing service station assets trading at, you know, cap rates of sort of in the fours, which, you know, when when it, when um, the cost of funds at the RBA, your cash rates at a 335, that's very, very tight. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I, I think there's no doubt it's a less attractive commercial market for investors today than what it was, say, 12 or 18 months ago. And, and we would ex- be expecting less investors to be out there being active and and looking to buy assets, um, unless there's an opportunity for them to maybe reposition the the asset, um, you know, whether that's through being able to turn over some tenants and, and, and improve the tenancy profile, or, or maybe improve the asset itself in order to get a higher return. Um, but what I do think, and I, I mentioned it before, I think owner occupiers, and, and I think um, I think Heron Todd White probably called that out in their report. I think owner occupiers are going to be. I, th- I think that's probably what's holding up the commercial market to an extent because. As I say, businesses largely are still trading well, and um, you know it's a good opportunity for people that might be renting at the moment to reassess that situation and look at go- going in and, and buying it, the commercial property that they're going to trade out of. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's probably going to be a bit more of a market around owner occupiers in this this next little period um, than than where it has been, and and that's probably not a bad thing to be honest. And speaking of of that, uh, getting finance to to, to- Buy property, um, and and in the commercial space, I think um, I, I believe there's you've had a lot more business through non banks and private wealth than than the major banks recently. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, certainly. We we you know traditionally we would you know oscillate at any given time you know sometimes as high as seventy percent in the in the the non bank space. And when I say non bank, I'm I'm bucketing together you know. Um, your lenders like say Latrobe or a think tank in amongst private lenders as well. So if we if we call that our non-bank space, sometimes that might be as high as 70% versus 30% with the major banks. Other times it might be closer to 50-50 and it just depends on where the settings of the banks and and, and whatever else sit at that time. Um, what we noticed when we looked at the last six months versus the six months previous, there was certainly an uplift. Um, we had about a, third, uh, about a 15% uplift in in, non, in our non-bank and private lender um, space. So that's by individual loan units. So that was pretty significant, um, particularly when we looked at our our um, our banks and, and where we were going with banks, that were down 31% in the same period. So it was definitely a shift towards um, towards privates and non-banks in that last six months. And I, and I probably expect that to continue. And I think that's a function of, like we've touched on, you know, Banks' assessment rates on on deals um, are, are tougher to meet at the moment, and I don't think that's going to change until rates stabilise. Um, and so, I think clients are going to be looking for more flexible solutions, um, either around LVRs or around um, interest cover ratios. and And that's where the non bank sector 
whether they're privates or or sort of um, you know like your Latrobes of the world, that's where they really step up to the plate. And um, yeah, so that's that's definitely been a trend we've noticed, and I expect that to continue through twenty twenty three. And do you think that's um, partly because there's a better awareness in the market of alternatives to the to the major banks? Um, yeah. Or is it also is it also you know they're being they're being more active and aggressively targeting um, new business? I think it's um I think it's probably a combination of both, Anthony. I think if we go back to say 2016, um, when there was some pullback from the major banks, we saw a big spike in in that non bank segment from that time onwards, really. And I think they've really built up a momentum. So I think there is there is a much better awareness today of that of that part of the market than what there was say seven or eight years ago. Um, and I think they've been they've seen that they've been able to win some really good market share and, and probably make really good money in that time, and so that's encouraged others to come into that space. So I think I think it's a combination of, of certainly awareness and also the fact that they're putting together a, a really compelling offering um, that the banks, uh, for whatever reason, may be quite happy to sort of let let slide for the time being. Um, so yeah, but I, again, I don't think that trend's going anywhere anytime soon. I think it provided provided the you know, without getting too sort of nerdy about it all, but provided securitization markets um, don't freeze up and, and the non-banks are, con- are able to continue to raise money um, successfully, which they, they've shown that they have been able to, um, I think that, that part of the market's only going to continue to thrive. Yeah, well, it's, it's I mean, that's great because more competition, the better. You, you definitely don't want to... And a small number of players dominating the market, so I think it's great to have more competition. Um, I just wanted to, yeah, for sure. I just wanted to touch on uh, you, you're speaking before about you know your team being experts in the space. Mm. Um, what do you, what are your thoughts about how brokers who concentrate on home loans can how can they get into commercial finance? offering if that's something they're interested in, because obviously it's a it's a huge area there's a lot of potential uh, i think mfaa figures show recently showed that you know there's a growing number of um mortgage brokers that are, are getting into the commercial space but there's still a, a massive gap there a huge opportunity for them mm, yeah there, i think there is a huge opportunity and i, I think Certainly, the data on it isn't as clear as what it is in residential because of the nature of the commercial market. But you know, if there's if there's broker penetration of, you know, it might be fifteen to twenty percent in the commercial space versus where we know in the residential space we're sitting, you know, around sort of seventy percent mark. So there's definitely huge upside there. Um, the way the way we think about it at Simplicity is we we think diversification of a um, of a profit and loss is is fantastic. Um, I think, though, I'd always encourage people to look at when you're looking to broaden your, re- your revenue, you want to make sure you're remaining within your core business. And, and like I said, if we use us as an example, when we opened the doors, we just wanted to, we needed to get money in the door like every small business when you, when you open. And so we were trying to, we were trying to be residential, we're trying to be commercial, we're trying to do equipment finance. And, and we just found that we weren't, when we're outside of our core business, which for us was commercial, we were less efficient, and ultimately we weren't doing as good a job as what we could for our clients in that space. and And it was and it was actually distracting us from our core, where we where we were great and where we did have probably a bit of a, an advantage. Um, and so, what we did for from our side is we partnered with experts in that space, whether it was equipment finance or um, or home loans, and we would we would uh, engage them as referral partners. And that allowed us to still share in the revenue streams that were that were generated and still service our clients, really importantly, 
but it wasn't distracting us from our core. So I think um, that idea of diversifying your revenue but not distracting you from your core business. For us, that's what we've done. And, and it, it really allowed us to unlock value, I think, in our core. Um, so I, I'd have that as a starting point. I do think um, commercial finance is something that I think uh, residential brokers should be considering. Uh, and whether that is through, you know, upskilling and, and building that experience. So for us, we were, um, you know, I was 12 or 13 years in National Australia Bank as a, as a, as a commercial banker. Uh, JP was was similar across a couple of different uh lenders um, and a lot of our team have come out of come out of that banking um, environment where you build up your experience over a longer period of time um, so it take it does take time so it, it I think the alternatives are you, you work away at it and try and build up that capability over time or you look at options around you know, how can you capture the revenue and service your clients by maybe looking at ex- uh, using an external partner to um, to assist with that and you know obviously I'm biased because we've got our, our referral hub there and and you know, so that that's clearly where we think is a is a is a really really valuable service proposition. Um, but as I say, I, I just encourage people. I think there is a danger in in getting away from your core, either through that diminishing your core business because you, you've taken your focus off it, or what we found, you, you end up offering a service when it's outside of your core that you're just not quite as um, maybe capable at or efficient at and ultimately don't do as good a job for your client. Um, and and for us, we could see that, that that was a risk in diminishing our brand. If we ultimately weren't helping our clients as, you know, giving them the best in the market, then that was going to reflect, reflect poorly on our brand. And we knew we could deliver that in commercial. We weren't so sure on residential, so we, we, we pivoted away from it. So I think I think that's important. And I, and I think Whilst it's an opportunity for brokers out there, it's certainly it's certainly a risk as well, um, and and I think that's something to people for people to be wary of. There, there's some great training out there, whether it's through the MFAA, uh, through CAFPA, um, and I'm sure all the aggregators have got plenty of programs as well to provide um, support for brokers looking to get into it. I think it's definitely something to 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 look at. Um, I'd obviously encourage people to jump onto marketplace.finance and, and have a look at that website as well as another offering for, for that referral option as well. So I'll put a plug in there, Anthony. I hope that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fine. I mean, I guess it's an interesting um, time and for, for brokers, residential brokers at the moment because there's so much competition out there and they've got to decide um, whether this commercial finance is, a, is an opportunity for them to get into. But you, you've mm. got to weigh up, as you said, um, whether you dip your toes in and and slowly build up, or you 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 sort of refer it on to someone else, I, I guess that's a you've got to weigh up all those factors. Um, so mm. yeah, I mean, hopefully um, the numbers of people getting into commercial finance will will grow. I mean, obviously it's more competition for you guys, but you, you'd think um, you know it's good. It's a good space to be in. Yeah. Um, so. Absolutely. I think just on that though, it, look, it's a great part of the market and, and what you talk about, yeah, it's more competition. We, we, we love to see the commercial market continue to grow. So, um, you know, I think uh, one, one, one of the things I love most about our, the, our part of the industry, I think it's the same in residential, but certainly it is in commercial, is it's very collegiate. And I think the, there's a lot of players in the market that are competitors to us on paper, but, you know, we almost see them as, as colleagues and as peers and, and, and yeah. we've got a lot of respect for, for players in, in, in this space and we'd love to see it continue to grow because I think that would be good for all of us in, in, um, you know, in the future. Thank you for listening to this episode of MPA Talk. 